Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Bleacher Report Samuel Rook and French football writer Rich Allen. The stage was set, the paperwork all finally correct, and everything in place ready for Neymar's debut. So did the Brazilian live up to these lofty expectations we all have, or was it an own goal to start his career in French football? Uh, it will be revealed, including your questions after the latest headlines. The weekend kicked off on Friday night earlier than usual as Trois registered a win 20 attempts earlier than the disastrous 2015-16 season, earning a 2-1 victory against Champions League chasers Nice, who head to Napoli on Wednesday. Lyon continued their 100% record to start the new season with a 2-1 win at Rennes, goals coming from Mariano Diaz and a Memphis Depay free kick. On Saturday, Marseille knocked off Nantes 1-0 in a scoreline that flatters the hosts, who will be thankful for the, con- for the contributions of debutant goalkeeper Cyprian Tatroshanu, who kept for keeping the scoreline so low. <laughs> in the multiplex, Saint-Étienne maintained their perfect record with a 1-0 win at Caen, while Toulouse managed to see off Montpellier by the same scoreline. Angers saw their new striker Enzo Crivelli get off the mark in a 2-0 win at Amiens, while his former club Bordeaux also notched a double to beat Metz at the Matmut Atlantique. Strasbourg earned their first win back in Liga in a crazy encounter with Lille on Sunday, which saw goalkeeper Mike Magnon sent off for throwing uh, the ball at a player and an outfield player going in goal twice in a 3-0 defeat. Monaco managed without teenage sensation, sensation apologies, uh, Kylian Mbappe away to Dijon, winning 4-1 with a hat-trick from El Tigre, Radamel Falcao. And in Sunday's late game, Paris Saint-Germain saw new signing Neymar grab a goal and an assist in their 3-0 win over Gangomp, who at least won Twitter. <laughs> so that's all for our headlines be sure to check everything out on our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on twitter at gffn we start this week at the Stade du where the world's most expensive player Neymar finally made his PSG bow it was up in the air for a few days until it was confirmed that he would be available on Thursday but Rich how did the Brazilian get on in his fr- in, well, in front of this paltry crowd of 18,000? On- <laughs> um, he did really well. Uh, you know, it, it's, I don't know if there were many that were expecting him not to, to play very well. Uh, the fanfare that he'd arrived under um, and, and obviously that, that enormous fee that's going to loom over him now for the rest of his career. But no, he was excellent. He was full of running. He was absolutely determined to get on the score sheet which uh, eventually he did looks like he's going to be having a you know looks like there's a, there's the start anyway of a really good relationship with edinson cavani um he was just very very exciting to see as you would expect for a player <laughs> of um of such reputation and, and carrying such a, a weight behind him but no, i was very really really impressed by him it would have been quite easy i think to have sat back and perhaps just let the first game just almost wash over him, but he was at the centre of everything good about Paris Saint-Germain. You know, he was eager to get on the ball, eager to run at those Gangon players, uh, was looking to to involve Di Maria, Cavani, um, wherever possible. So, 
really, really, really good start um, to what's going to be a very interesting season, I think, for him. Yeah, it looks really exciting. And, and Sam, let's talk about not just his performance, but also his fit inside this team because he did occasionally drift in the middle and it made Cavani play a little bit wider. He dropped deep at times as well. How do you think he fits into this uh, starting eleven as we saw at least in his first outing against Gangump? Uh, I think it was remarkable for how comfortable he looked. Just straight away, he fit right into this team. It's his job when he came here was to make this his team and he seemed to do that right from the off. He was in charge. He had the ball. He got more touches than anyone on the pitch. He got 128 touches of the ball. Uh, he could easily, as you say, have just sort of hung out, out wide, waited for his chance. But no, he came in, took over, took chances, ran, uh, completed 11 dribbles. It's more than anyone completed in the last 10 years in Liga, except for Usman Dembele once. Uh, he really just took this game on straight from the off and that's what we all wanted to see. Yeah, and it makes everything a little bit more exciting. Uh, Rich, like I've just mentioned, it was sort of the team adapting around him at times with him having such a free role. Um, how do they continue to make sure that f works with the players they have, the likes of Di Maria? Maybe he was a little bit silent at times. Cavani, obviously, like I mentioned, had to pull wide at, on occasion. How does Unai Emery make sure that the team adapt nicely around Neymar when he's so influential, as, as Sam pointed out? Um, I actually think it's probably going to prove a, a little, almost a little tricky. I think for for Emery, he's he, he's obviously he sounds silly to say he obviously has to build this team around Neymar. This was supposedly the reason Neymar joined. So first and foremost is is centre that team around him. Uh, as Sam said that that worked really well Sunday night. You know he he um, he was as I said before the centre of everything that was good about Paris Saint Germain. So. I think the key for them is is really how well he links up with Cavani and then what they do about that third attacking wall. If they're going to persist with a sort of 4-3-3 that they've been playing, as, as what do they do with that? I don't, you know, a lot of talk seems to be about is Di Maria, Di Maria going to be the, the sort of bigger name that's going to be sold off before the transfer window closes? Will Draxler get a chance? Um, will they even look at, you know, Lucas Moura? Will they look at, even perhaps pushing Pastore a little wider. But I actually thought that Neymar looked better when he came more central. Um, whether that gives Cavani some horrible nightmares about, oh my God, it's Ibrahimovic Mark II and I've got to play out wide again, I don't know. But um, it, I think PSG will probably get the best out of him by allowing him, you know, positioning out, out more on the, on the left, but giving him that flexibility to drift inside. Um, I think that that flexibility was what was given in parts at Barcelona. And I think that's imperative that they, they tap into that um, in, in Paris. So for, for, for me, what's going to have to be looked at from, from Paris's point of view is they've got the attack sorted, I think. You know, Neymar and Cavani are going to be a really exciting pair to see. They now need to bolster that midfield behind them to give them a really solid base because at the minute... I don't think that midfield is solid enough. It's very stodgy, if you like. It's There's not a lot of excitement there. So there's one or two players I think they should be looking at recruiting there. But um, it's it's a really, really exciting start um, for Paris Saint-Germain fans. Whether it's an exciting start for, for neutral fans, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm looking forward to... Uh, I'm, well, this, I suppose this is the thing, isn't it? I'm looking forward to the next game. Yeah, um, which, which seems and as a, a, a non-PSG fan, 
that's that's perhaps what what they've been after. Yeah, and it does seem strange to say that we're looking forward to a Paris Saint-Germain game that has a bit more... Yeah. Joie de vivre, maybe, after last season, was a bit rudimentary at times. And Sam, Rich has mentioned the amount of attacking talent they've really got in those areas, and this, there's still persistent rumours of the likes of Mbappe maybe even coming through the door, and we'll discuss about him later. But surely someone has to move out. I mean, Draxler wasn't in the squad at the weekend, neither was, was Lucas. Um, Pastore came on late on. Di Maria is maybe the one that they are some at least rumoured to be the one to go because he's the more high profile. Maybe they can get a little bit back for him. What do you see happening in that player that's the odd one out after Neymar and Cavani? It's difficult to predict, but surely not Draxler, given he arrived so recently and looked so good and was able to push Di Maria out of the starting lineup at the times last season as well. You'd have to think Emery saw that recognize the fact that Draxler was a difference maker for him in the second half of the season when his job was not under threat, but it was a little bit uh, not on entirely solid ground given the Champions League collapse, given losing the league title to Monaco. Draxler really sort of helped him along. Lucas Moura, again, he's been there for a long time. Perhaps his time in Paris has come to an end. He didn't play a lot towards the end of the season. He played a little bit for himself when he did get chances. He seems like one who could also be sold for a decent fee but is not on the wages anywhere near what Di Maria is on. So you'd have to think one of those two at least, and that's even now, that's before a potential Mbappe or a potential Alexis Sanchez or even someone else. Perhaps they'll get in for Coutinho as well. <laughs> Just trying to imagine. They're playing they're play to just score goals now from the scenes of things. But I do want to mention the other positions really, Rich, and, and especially in the first half, I thought Gambon were relatively decent, although they didn't quite trouble... Paris Saint-Germain's defence as much as they would like to. Are you, are you, is there positives to take from any performances from the midfield or is there, on the defence or is there maybe still a couple of worries there, um, especially, if, for example, when they start challenging for the Champions League come September? I absolutely think there's problems with the midfield. Um, you know, I, I'm really not a, I'm not a fan of them um, continuing with Thiago Motta. I think, okay, you know, he can bring a lot of experience, but you know, they've got experience elsewhere. Um, I think they could look at bringing in a little, someone a little bit more dynamic. Um, I'm not sure whether playing Verratti now alongside Motta gets you the best out of Verratti. Um, you know, Motta isn't the player he once was, whether Verratti then has to, or one of Verratti or Rabio has to be hanging back, you know, helping out Motta, covering for Motta. It startles me that they've spent so long, obviously, on this Neymar deal, and we've we've heard persistent rumours all summer of a deal for, or trying to get a deal over the line for Fabinho. We've got, down at Nice, you've got Seri, who, I think I said on, on the show last week, Nice are saying, we're almost advertising, somebody offer us the 40-odd million that we want for Seri, and basically you can have it why they haven't taken up that offer because you drop Seri into that midfield alongside Verratti, alongside Rabio, all of a sudden you've got a midfield three that's just as exciting as the front three. Um, so I, I've, I've been long been saying, and I think I'm certainly not alone, that PSG have to look at that midfield. They have to look at adding something a bit different, a little bit more energy, uh, and something a bit more fresh, I think, that can come in. You know, They've got the likes of Motta, they've got the likes of of Matuidi, who've been there a long time now. 
let's get something new in there. Let's get something fresh in there that can just inject a little bit of life into that midfield. Yeah, Seri was brought up a lot earlier today with the, the signing of Paulinho to Barcelona, and there's Liverpool were interested in him. I still can't believe he's still at Nice. It's unbelievable, really, that no one's quite come in for him yet. Um, continuing really with PSG's squad, Sam, and like we mentioned, the, the Champions League will be fast approaching them really come September time. And we have a question from our, one of our viewers, Demita. Um, does that PSG squad still need more reinforcements now to really challenge? that Champions League title now they've got Neymar in the bag? I mean, yes and no. I mean, you can get lucky to challenge the Champions League. Chelsea won it with a very average team in 2012, but to be a team that doesn't need luck to at least make a run at the Champions League, they do need reinforcements. The back four is good, not great. The combination between Thiago Silva and Marquinhos at times is still a bit ropey. They're both a bit too similar sometimes. Uh, both Areola and Trapp are not top-class goalkeepers. It's amazing that PSG, with the money that they are happy to spend on other positions, haven't gone out to get a top, top goalkeeper. You'd think someone like Hugo Lloris would be an obvious move to at least try and make, try and get Tottenham's goalkeeper. France number one, France captain, you've got experience. Seems like a good fit. Kozawa, again, good, not great. Dani Alves, will his legs hold up for a whole season? There's a lot of question marks over the entire back line. And as you mentioned, the midfield, there is still the problem that if Verratti gets injured like he did last season, there is no replacement. When he went down last season, that was what really killed PSG and they haven't replaced. They haven't got a backup for him yet. Yeah, in fairness to them, that's very difficult to replace such a such a talented player in the squad, really, trying to find someone that can really replicate what he attempts to do. Rich, just quickly on Gangon, they did hold off for 45 minutes and they were relatively decent at times. I think Marcus Coco had a half-decent half where he helped relieve some of the pressure off them and they had a couple of chances, but the awful, awful own goal to start things off really just killed them off, didn't it? It absolutely did. It was, um, you know, Koku was was in the in, in the spotlight all evening, obviously, because he was the one that was initially tasked with the marking of Neymar. So he's going to be under pressure. A really early booking certainly didn't help matters, um, and it was just a complete switch off. It was a momentary lapse in judgment, and yeah, it was it was a horrendous own goal. Um, there's there's plenty of, of tweets going around with the, the sort of look on Ikoku's face after the ball had gone, had gone in. This sort of shock of, has that happened? Have I really just done that? To, to sort of horror on his face. It's, it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's a hilarious picture because it's very unkind on the player, but it's it's worth checking out. But from that from then on in, Gangon just, just, Sadly for them, just disintegrated. Um, 3-0, I think, is perhaps a little harsh on them. I don't think their their performance warranted such a a large um, a large scoreline. I think PSG had, had chances in the first half, but I think Gangon managed to sort of keep them relatively at arm's length. Um, and as you say, they had one or two chances themselves. I think Dido had a a, a powerful drive that was uh, wasn't wasn't too far off target either. So. I don't think Gangon can be too disheartened. Um, it was just such a shame for them that the sort of floodgates, I suppose, had to open in such dire circumstances. 
Yeah, <laughs> look on Koko's face might be ever burnt into my skull, I think. And the surprise on Carl Johan Jonsson as well, when he's just slowly watching the ball go past him just because he's never expected it. It's wrong-footed him. It's it's an awful way to sort of concede things. But it was great to see the, the Rudiru really bouncing as well and, and people commenting, is it is it usually like this in Brittany? Or is this, this just for Paris Saint-Germain? No, sometimes they are a little bit mental in France. They, you might not anticipate it, but they can be. Uh, just uh, very finally, it's it's related to Paris Saint-Germain at least, uh, Sam. I, I thought I would get your thoughts on uh, Hesse, who looks like he's going to be joining Stoke on loan in the near future. He was obviously shipped off to Las Palmas in January after a pretty poor start to Paris Saint-Germain. How do you think he would fit in at the Premier League should that transfer go through? Stoke seems like the right place. If you're going to go and try and rehabilitate a career that has stalled, uh, Bojan Kurcic, he's done that. He, uh, Marko Arnautovic, uh, after him, these sort of talented, don't do it every week, but do do it occasionally kind of guys. You know, Hesse has a lot of work to get back to the player he was when he first broke through at Real Madrid. That injury seems to have robbed him of the, the lightning pace that he had when people were calling him the, the baby Ronaldo at Real Madrid. Uh, he needs to go somewhere where he's going to play. Uh, Stoke have lost Bernatovic this summer, so there is a bit of a gap in that starting lineup. And a guy like Hesse, he, can, he has the tools to succeed in the Premier League. He's physical, more than technical, but he's not a bad technician with the football. He can make an impact. And yeah, it does seem like all the the potteries is almost like a, a home for lost toys. I'm thinking of Jordan Shakiri as well being another one that that's maybe not really found a home, and uh, Britannia being one of those places that really rehabilitates them as a footballer. But hopefully, for Hesse's sake, at least uh, he can find a home there. Uh, let's move on to the champions now, who um, are also two out of two as they beat uh, sorry Dijon four one with a hat trick from Radamel Falcao. Uh, Rich, I'll take this to you first. Uh, they started against to lose in the season opener, really, and were maybe a little bit lucky at times. But was this more of a accomplished performance from Leonardo Jardim's men? Uh, definitely was. Um, still not perfect. Um, I think still a little way off that, but this was a huge step up in quality from, from their opening game, where, as you say, they really really weren't at the races, didn't seem to be cliched as it is, back from, uh, you know, back from their holidays. But no, really, really strong performance. Again, with some real, real quality goals. Um, I mean, you don't often see a, a centre-back scoring a bicycle kick directly from a corner. Um, but Jemison pulled that off and pulled it off remarkably well. Um, we had a, a, a brilliant hat-trick from, from Falcao, which just highlighted just what a quality player he is. You had a, a scrappy um, prod in from a Carol Glick header uh you had then his his uh uh it was his hat-trick goal was just this incredibly powerful header from a, a lamar cross and then of course the ice on the cake was his second goal which was a wonderful curling effort from just outside the box and then of course dijon's goal themselves was every bit as good arguably even better from wesley saeed the the first touch that brought the long ball down and then the instinctive first time shot through uh through Subasic's legs was was fantastic so it was a really entertaining game. Um, from from Monaco's perspective, exactly what was needed, I think, after their their stuttering, narrow uh, opening day win. Just quickly to touch on Dijon, I'm still concerned about where their goals will come from. 
I'm sure we'll we will be touching upon that throughout the season. But yeah, Dijon I think will be in for another season of struggle. But you know, back to Monaco, yeah, great performance, but still still room for improvement. Yeah, it's a bit worrying when you lose Luis Bioni, who was so important, and then not really replacing him. It's it's difficult to do that, but um, you do start to worry about Dijon a little bit. Let's talk about the balance of this Monaco side, Sam. I mean, we've already mentioned how many players they've lost in the summer numerous times, but George has come in at left-back. Um, Moutinho was at centre midfield at the weekend. They've had um, Diacarbe started over Mbappe, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. And Ronnie Lopez obviously replacing uh, Bernardo Silva. Is it impressive how they've managed to sort of maintain that strength in depth, in a sense? Um, especially even like Tielmans is still on the bench and they've got Terence Congolo as well who can come on. They've continued to maybe reinvest that money rather wisely, haven't they? They have. I mean, given that everyone expected this summer to come, all the big clubs to come, take all the jewels from this team, break it away, uh, they, they knew what was coming and they bought really, really well. But at the same time, some of these guys that have come back in are guys they've had before. Moutinho didn't start that much towards the end of last season. He's now back in the team. Ronnie Lopez was out on loan. He's been brought back to play. This is a really well-run football club. They they do know what they're doing. They didn't get caught on the hop this summer. They went and, I mean, the fact they've been able to buy Tielemans, as you say, and he's only just being given time to find his feet in the league. He's not being asked to do it anything single-handedly. And as he showed in the uh, against PSG earlier in the season, he's he's really talented. Uh, he's been given time to just adjust, and that's just evidence of how well run Monaco are. Yeah, not rushing these young players is is a really important thing, I think, to the step of the players, especially when when they are bought, they're sort of thrown into the fire sometimes a little bit. Um, Rich, what did you think to um, the? performance of the captain and the, the hat-trick scorer, Adam Falcao. I mean, last season was an excellent ski season. He scored plenty of goals that was maybe overshadowed by performances of some of their youngsters. But it's really great to see the Colombian not only not only get back to form, but prove that last season wasn't just a fluke. It's brilliant to see. It really, really is. Um, I, I tweeted, tweeted actually over the weekend, I almost think keeping him, securing his... Well, certainly at least another year with the with the club that deal in itself is is so important um and it, it could could prove to be every bit as important as as you know managing to keep hold of the likes of of uh, of Fabinho and Thomas Lamar because just what he offers to the side you've got a reliable goal scorer first and foremost you know he really is clinical in front of goal there's not not many that can match that level of composure when uh, when through on goal um he's got such a clever footballing brain you know he knows now largely thanks to those horrendous injury that horrendous injury that he suffered he's, he hasn't got the pace that he once had so he's now had to rely on on movement um positioning and th- again there are very few that can that, that, that sort of match his level there Third then aspect, I suppose, of his game that's probably arguably the most important is that when you have such a young side, is having that experienced player who can help guide those youngsters, who the youngsters can look up to. And there is no better player at the minute than Falcao for that role. Um, so he is absolutely key for the success, as he was last season for Monaco. If Monaco wants to get anywhere close to the levels that they hit last season, 
Falcao being on top form as he was last season is vital. And as we've already seen, I think he's off and running. Yeah, and it's, it's great to see him back. I mean, I'm trying to think of five years ago where, well, if you tried to say that assigning Radamel Falcao to a new deal was un, sort of under the radar move, you you never believed us. Um, let's move on to the, well, the big story, really, with Monaco, Sam, and that's Kylian Mbappe, who was left out of the game. And Leonardo Jardim said afterwards that it was the club's decision to keep him out of proceedings. Um, what do you think to the situation that's building? It looks like it's probably going to end in a transfer away, maybe to PSG. Real Madrid is still rumoured to be in there as well. What's your take on everything? Yeah, I mean, earlier in the summer, all the French media, French radio, everyone seemed quite confident that he was going to be the Henri and not the Martial. He was going to stay a little bit longer. He was going to really hit top level for in France go to the World Cup and then do his big transfer. And that was, everyone seemed to think that was what's going to happen. But that's all gone very quiet now. Uh, his tweet earlier this evening, I'm not sure if you saw it, the, um, the V for victory emoji uh, with the Monaco flag. It's all very mysterious. Not exactly sure what that's supposed to mean, whether he's saying Monaco have won this round or he has, I don't know. But it does seem as if he will be moving on and PSG seems to be where he will go. Real Madrid, those rumours have really dried up. Spanish newspapers have all said it's PSG, it's not Madrid. Uh, it seems as if that's where he's going to end up. <laughs> Which seems crazy a little bit, doesn't it, Rich? I mean, how can PSG afford him? How can they match it up with financial fair play? How can Monaco allow someone to go to that kind of club where it almost becomes the the almost, so maybe an unfair comparison, but the Bundesliga monopoly of the Bayern Munich? <laughs> can that really happen, Mbappe to PSG? Um, sadly, yes. Um, I actually saw um, Jonathan Johnson tweeting about it earlier today. Um, you know, he expects that there will be some, I saw him say that there, there will obviously be some outgoings, player-wise, but he expects new deals with Nike, new um, new main shirt sponsors to be renegotiated, which obviously brings more money in, which can help balance out um, on the on the FFP side of things, the FFP rulings, they're not going to be immediately investigated. They're going to be, you know, time to get finances all in order. So sadly, yes, I think this, this move could happen. Um, it's, PSG fans won't like me saying this, it's a dreadful move for Liga, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's Monaco handing the keys to the, you know, giving, giving the title to, to PSG before, in theory, it's going to be before September's ar ar arrived. Monaco just said, "Have our best player." Yeah, okay, they're getting a huge. They're going to get a huge sum of money for him. But whereas previously Monaco obviously have shipped all their players outside of Liga, this is an internal one. This is now PSG saying, "You know what? You've you've angered the beast last season, and we're just going to take what we want." And if that's the best player in the world who happens to play for a fellow league inside, so be it. And if that's going to happen to the team who most likely to challenge PSG this season, what hope do, do they have? What hope do other league sides have? So for me, it's it's a dreadful move for league. It's probably going to be a great move for Mbappe. It's obviously a great move for PSG. Maybe you could argue it's it is a good move for Monaco. They're getting you know, they're going to probably get in excess of 100 million euros for a player they've basically put no money towards. 
brought him up through the youth system. But yeah, it, it's hard to see anything other than this is just a really bad move for the league as a whole. Almost, maybe even more so, worse for the league than the Neymar signing. It's an interesting one. I mean, Sam, we've already talked about the logjam really at Paris Saint-Germain and the pressure on players to perform instantly. If an 18-year-old doesn't quite hit the ground running, I know it's all hypothetical here, but it maybe he struggles and they start pulling him out the side and then he maybe misses out on, on the um, World Cup. Is this the best move for Mbappe right now? Uh, almost certainly not. Um the smart move, if you're talking about the World Cup, you're talking about setting yourself up longer term, does seem to be stay where you're the main man. Stay where you know that you can do it. You know that the team is going to be built largely around you. The team will play for you. The team all believe in you. Going to PSG would be a huge risk, perhaps a smaller one than going to Real Madrid, where the pressure is even greater because Real Madrid do have that history. They do have the fact that you have to perform from day one, and if not, you will be benched and shipped out. Uh, look at the way they dealt in Real Madrid, in Madrid with guys like Wesley Schneider. Top-class players didn't quite do it there and were gone quickly. That's would be the worst decision for Mbappe, but PSG is also probably not a great call. I mean, what, he could well go there. He could well be the main man, but it's going to be difficult for him competing with Cavani and Neymar and all these other players. I mean, they're going to need three or four footballs. It's it's a, a very big gamble for a guy who's still a teenager with the World Cup right there on the horizon. You're talking about building a career for 10, 12, 15 years. You don't have to go to PSG this season. This is not the case of you'll never get this chance again. We've all we know how good this player is. He's unless he you know, unless he suffers a terrible injury, which you know, we all hope that doesn't happen, the clubs will all be there next summer. Yeah, they're not, especially if he carries on in this form, they're not going away. It's almost like I'm a little bit worried that Mbappe becomes what Neymar was at Barcelona, which is in the shadow of a greater player who's more experienced and hitting his prime just as he enters the fray. And I, I, the points are made beautifully both by you. Rich, I, I agree with your point, and I want to sort of expand upon it, saying that if this deal does happen, it sort of almost crushes the competitiveness of, of Liga and the, the fact that PSG are doing the classic uh, Juventus by Munich thing, which is what all big clubs should do, which is buy the best players from the, your competitors and make them almost obsolete. I mean, Munich have had a monopoly over the Bundesliga over the last few years because they kept stealing, stealing all of Dortmund's great players as they were really coming to the fore. And the real issue is, Clubs in other countries like Dortmund have a decent amount of cash behind them, can build up players and, and compete. And in Spain, Atletico Madrid can do something like that. In in uh, Italy, Roma, Napoli, now AC Milan as well, can sort of reinvent themselves in ways. But in France, other than Monaco, there's not a team that can keep their players and, and get the players that would advance them enough to get anywhere near Paris Saint-Germain. The only things you can hope for is maybe the Marseille money increases, maybe the Lille money increases, and, and maybe they can go a little bit more crazy and compete. But it, it, does it really worry me that if it does go through, that it could be one of those situations where we might not see another team catch up with them for another four, five, maybe even six years, which is frightening after we had such an exciting season last season where we thought we might be hitting a precipice of a really exciting league, but it, 
I suppose that's a rant for another day. We'll wait and see if that happens. So we'll, we'll make sure I take a, a sharp drink on that one, I think. Um, another one of the five sides that have started unbeaten are Leon, who took three points against Ren on Friday night. Uh, they were a little cautious last... Well, we were a little cautious, I have to say, last week, Richard, going too overboard with um, Bruno Genesio's men. It, it's still early days, but can we start climbing on the bandwagon for them now? Um, it's, it's, so, it's tough to, isn't it, after only two games, but, you know, it's, it, it's two very different performances, you know, they had their first game at home, newly promoted club, go out and get a big scoreline, they got it, they got, you know, their new striker with a double, their sort of young prodigy, former young prodigy, you know, looking to regain his form, been given the captaincy, he got on the score sheet with two. Um, so job done first week. Second week then, you're away, an established league inside. You never know quite what you're going to get with Ren. Um, and again, it was a, a test that they passed. So on the basis of two games and only those two games, you have to say it's been a, it's been a super start for Leon. You know, I think, any any fan, any board member, Olas himself, if you said you'll win 4 0 at home to, to Strasbourg and then you'll win 2 1 away at Ren, yep, I'll have that deal off you straight away. Um, you know, Diaz, Mariana Diaz has come in, has looked powerful, has looked direct. Um, touch of fortune about some of his goals, but really, really strong header for, for the winner against Ren. Fekir is looking. Almost back to his best now. Looks like giving in that captaincy could actually be the real spark that that was that was needed. Um, and then of course you've got Depay and Traore up front as well, and and they're looking, you know, they're looking really up for it this season. So yeah, on the basis of two games, you can't say anything but let's get on the bandwagon. But as obvious as it is, it's only two games. There will be tougher tests to come, but. Yeah, two two games in, super stuff. Yeah, I always say ignore the table until the tenth game, and then you can maybe judge a little bit better. But I, I like jumping on bag wagons. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about um, Mariano Diaz, Sam, because he's maybe a little bit of an unknown quantity, really, being mainly in Real Madrid's uh, B side for for a reasonable amount of time. But in his first game, he scores two goals. He's maybe a little bit lucky, and we we maybe give him a pass on that one. But he was really excellent in that game on Friday night with his movement and, a, and an excellently taken goal. What do you make to his start in a Liga? I mean, what more could you ask for? What a start. Uh, you know, as you say, goal against a uh, promoted side. That's good, handy, nice start. But really, the performance against a team that you you need to beat if you want to be at the pointy end, at the end of the season. But it's difficult. You're, you know, away from home, they were very competitive. That was a tough game of football. And Mariona was in everything. Got the winner. And he's been prolific at every level. He's been prolific since he was uh, in the Real Madrid Academy. And... He's now doing it at, at league level, and it's just a really impressive start. He's not, he's not that young. I think some people are sort of viewing him as, uh, you know, this season's Mbappe or something like that. You know, he's 24. He's a lot older than that, but he's still plenty of room for improvement, and he's hit the ground running. Looks like a great signing. Marseille apparently looked at him last summer, thought about it, didn't pull the trigger. I think they're probably regretting that right now. 
And and in all honesty, I think it's a great move from Leon and their scouting department to get someone who's maybe a little bit under the radar. I don't want to disparage him at all because he's been fantastic, but it's not someone I had heard particularly of before the summer. And it, it was a relatively inexpensive deal. There didn't seem to be any others really chasing him, but that's excellent work from a scouting department to, to narrow in on someone with that kind of quality that has that kind of... Um, goal scoring record and getting through the door and then him proving himself at that level as well. I think that's that's a good sign for at least the future of this this Leon team and replacing some of those uh, big players. What uh, you briefly mentioned them earlier, Rich, that some of the other players, uh, Bertrand Traore and Depay and and Fekir. We we'll, we'll, we've talked a little bit about the captain last week, so we'll focus on those two wingers who were in all honesty a little bit quiet at times. And Depay gave the ball away a couple of times, but did score the free kick. Do you think that they're the two best ones? Is maybe if if Max, do you maybe stick Corne in there? Are they competing for those positions, or for the, at least for the time being, is it Memphis and Traore for you? Uh, it is them. I think purely on the basis that I I'm a firm believer that Maxwell Corne is a brilliant player to bring off the bench. You know, if you've got 25 minutes to go and you need a goal, he's a really really good option to bring off the bench. I think you start him. He burns out, um, he gets sloppy, starts giving the ball away. 25 minutes, half an hour is is the perfect Cornet, optimum Cornet time, shall we say. Um, so I think I think we saw well, we've seen we've seen the good and the bad, I suppose, but primarily well, I think more the good. I thought Traorway Traore was excellent um, against Strasbourg. Um, again, he looks you know, quick, direct, exciting, happy to run with the ball. Um, everything that you want from a wide player. Uh, proved it last season on loan at Ajax that you know he can get on the score sheet a heck of a lot of times. Can do it in Europe as well. So they will persist with him. Um, Depay, a little bit more experience on the big stage. Um I think just gives enough glimpses, I think, to keep him in the in that side. Um, you know, really slightly fortuitous free kick a little bit. Um, pretty sloppy goalkeeping from Abdelai Diallo, but it will be those two for the time being. Um, there's a lot of youngsters to come through that, that I'm looking forward to seeing at some point this season. But for me, Corne is a, is a bench player, but a very, very good bench player. Let me caveat it with that. <laughs> he might disagree with that if he's looking at these uh, clubs that are supposedly wanting him joining them. It might, he might be pushing for a start sooner rather than later. Um, let's talk about um, very quickly the well. I wanted to mention at least is that uh, that midfield and the defence, which is something we've questioned at times last season, especially the defending. But it, it did seem a little bit better to me uh, in this one. They did seem to be a little bit more cohesive. The defence didn't seem as although Ren were maybe a little bit lethargic at times. It, they didn't seem as troubled. They seemed a bit more composed, which uh, it can only be a positive sign for the future. But I, I, I do have an excellent question here from a from a fan. And I'll give it to both of you just in case, because it is a, a little bit of a more retro style of Liga question. And that is Mariano Diaz, the new Sonny Anderson, the, <laughs> the very uh, Liga player that used to uh, score plenty of goals for Leon, Leon and uh, a couple for Monaco and Marseille in his time in the, in the uh, I'll let you take it first, Sam. Could he be that kind of consistent goal scorer? Sam, can you hear me, Sam? 
he, he might have dropped out of the call. Rich, can you hear me? I can. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass that on to you. Is he a, a possible future Sonny Anderson, the former nine, very late 90s, early 2000s, Leon uh, Starlet? I do love a retro question. Um, uh, it's quite a big, big shoes to fill. I mean, he had big enough shoes to fill with, like, you know, coming in and and uh, sort of almost stepping stepping into where Lacazette was. So I don't know. Um, it's very early stages, isn't it? He's 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 impressed at, at sort of B level. This is a you know solid. You can get now a solid couple of seasons in first team football in a top league. Let's wait and see. Let's 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 not give him. You know, I'll, I'll be the killjoy of the question, unfortunately. But let's wait and see before giving him a leg because I'm fairly certain many are going to be wanting to to pin some kind of Lacazette label on him, whether he'll want that or not. So, um, shall we? Let's sort of almost park that question for a couple of weeks because uh, I wouldn't want to put my foot in with Leon fans. <laughs> Yeah, it might be a little bit too early to do do that kind of comparison, at least anyway. It's a bit of a rush. But I do want to get your thoughts, Rich, as well, on, on your club, Wren, who were, we, we mentioned at the start of the season looked pretty exciting, but they, formation was a little bit different in this. Well, formation, but personnel, at least, was a bit different in this one. Were you a little bit disappointed in how they performed, really, especially in that first half or, or the first 15 minutes, especially where they were really penned back? They were... Uh... I mean, Gorko seems to be under this illusion that, that Rami Bensabaini is a left back. We've got <laughs> we've got Ludovic Baal, who is a very competent left back. We've got Fatou Muasa, who proved last season he's he's much better going forward, but again, competent left back. It's it's a case of he's trying I think he's trying to please Bensabaini. Obviously Bensabaini has been linked throughout the summer with a move to Lille. Whether he's just playing him just to keep him happy, I don't know, because certainly Nyanyon and Mexer looked far stronger um, this week than they did in the uh, than uh, Nyanyon and Bensabaini looked in the first game against Twa, uh, against obviously much better opposition in, in Lyon. So that's an odd call. I don't see you know, Bensabaini is too rash in a tackle to be a uh, you know to be marking a attacking wide player uh, in Bertrand Traore. So I really, really don't see him as a left-back. Muessa then was deployed as uh, on, on the right wing. Left me scratching my head when the squad was announced. I really couldn't see what formation they were going to be playing, but it seemed in the end it was just a fairly straightforward 4-4-2. But Muessa actually, I thought, was was probably Wren's best player. Out of, I mean, it was so... Um, telegraph what he was going to be doing because he's so heavily left-footed that he was going to be cutting in every time. But time and time again, the Leon players didn't quite get it, and so he actually had quite a bit of success. Certainly, I thought in that first half, uh, he had a couple of efforts on goal that caused. Uh, I know there was one that, that forced Lopez into a very good save. So I thought he was really good. I'm still unsure whether Ismail Assar is a striker. Um, there, there are we have other more direct, more obvious strikers in the squad. Ismail Assar, I thought, played better for Mets when drifting... Uh, sorry, when played a little further out on the left. Um, I'd quite like to see him given that because I don't quite think he's clinical. In, in, and he scored some goals last season. He scored some brilliant goals last season. I don't think he's clinical enough to be a centre-forward. 
Um, I think if you're going to have your centre forward, you need to be trusting that when in front of goal, he'll be putting the ball in the net. And I don't know if I quite have that with Ismail Assar. I'd much prefer to see him as that exciting wider player that we saw with Mets last season. So there's still, I mean, it's season after season I go on about it's another transition period. And we're finding it, it is again. And it's getting a little bit boring now. Um, because the personnel are there. The personnel are there. We've had a, I thought we've had a really good transfer window, but I just go back to, does, does Christian Gorkhoof know what he's doing? Um, and at the minute, I can't answer that positively. Uh, I might have his head spin a little bit, but all I could think about while watching the game is, why don't they try and employ a 3-4-3? They've got three centre-backs. They're desperate to play at centre-back, Ben Sabayini, Mexer, and... Um, Yoris Nyanyan, they've got two solid midfielders that they can put in the middle of that of Andre and, and Borjo, I thought was pretty good as well. Play Feitu Mawasa and, and Ludovic Barla's wing-backs. That's pretty simple or self-explanatory. They're both decent going forward. Ball's a little bit better going back, so he, but they have that cover of Andre in, in the middle there with them. And then play Ismaili Saar slightly left, uh, maybe someone like Jordan Tell slightly right, and then Mubele up front. It doesn't seem too complicated that that fits in a lot of plenty of the quality players in better positions for them, but he sticks with a four four two playing Saar up front, playing you, Ben Spiney as a left back. <laughs> you're you're bang on. The personnel wise there does not dictate a four four two as the best formation for this run side to be playing. I just don't know if Christian Gorkouf has that flexibility anymore or insight to recognise what the best formation is with these players. <clears throat> and I almost think now he's just sticking to what he knows um and it's a great shame because it, it could be that we're looking at, a, at one of the biggest unfulfilled of seasons for Ren in quite a while because i do think personnel wise there is a squad there that could push for a dare i say it dare i say top six there's some really exciting young players in that squad there's a smattering of senior players there um, who can bring on experience, but it's there. The squad is there, but as ever with Ren, there's just that one missing component that allows them to get over the line and reach that next stage. And sadly, it looks like that missing component this year is is Christian Gorkouf. Yeah, and I think I think we all shed a tear when we saw Ben Sabayini was at left back. I did a <laughs> I did a piece when the, uh, for outside the boot last season on well over the off season actually on him, and I watched a fair few games of him playing at left-back, and he is, is not very good at left-back. We'll leave it at that. Um, now it's time for our Liga snapshots, and I have a feeling that we have one in mind, all of us, but I've stolen it, so I, I won't I won't start with that one. I'll savour it to the end because it's a really good one. So I'll start with you, Sam. Um, what's your Liga snapshot? Uh, well, for me, the, the snapshot of the weekend was the first game of the weekend, uh, Trois beating Nice, that uh, game that really produced a lot of different uh, storylines. Trois, last time they were in Liga, were a disaster. Um, they didn't get four points until the eighth game week of the season. They didn't pass eight points till the 14th week of the season. They're at four points already. That's great. That's really exciting. Good for them. They've improved a huge amount in that year back in the second division. And Nice, uh, by contrast, have no points. That is really not what we expected from a team that rode the transfer window fairly well, given the restrictions on them, given the players they lost and the players they've brought in. 
I think we all expected Nice to perform better. They were the better side against Toi. That's probably not in doubt. Uh, they dominated the ball. They dominated the chances. But they didn't put them away. They have players to come back. Schneider yet to come into the side. They'll definitely improve. Bigger fish to fry with the Champions League playoff on the horizon as well. But this is a, a real interesting point for both these teams. Toi are riding high in eighth and Nice are a long way behind them. And I'll just add to this one, really, Rich, because we have a question from one of our one of our own writers in in uh, Tony Tomar Salva, who's who's mentioned what do you think of Nice's first two matches? Because Sam's hit the nail on the head there. They've they've had a decent window, but they've really struggled in these league matches as they've maybe shifted their focus a little bit to the Champions League. Are you a little bit worried about them? I'm worried about them in so much as they're not going to be replicating the form and success of last season. Um, I think that's probably as far as my worry goes. I think they just need to, they just, silly as it sounds, they just need to click and it will come. It will come. It's, they've had two pretty poor performances now. Um, yeah, they're probably a little bit distracted with, wouldn't it be brilliant to get into the Champions League group stages? You know, this, this, this squad, the stadium that they've got, the whole setup is keyed up for success on a, on a bigger stage. So I think they have been a little bit distracted by that. I think once we know whether they will or won't be in those group stages of the Champions League, at that point, then things will probably start to click into gear. They will have um, the, the, the sort of personnel back, you know, as, as Sam pointed out, they will have the likes of Schneider coming into the squad. Once the transfer window closes, we'll know whether they'll have managed to keep hold of Seri or not. The miracle that it would be if they do. Um, but yeah, in terms of worry, my my only worry for them is I don't know that I don't believe anyway that they will be living up to the performances that they put in last season. Um, I think if fans and board alike can get on board with that and can appreciate that actually. It's not that Nice have, have gone backwards. It's that there's a lot of other clubs that have improved over the summer um, and have caught them up. And I don't think Nice will be a top three side this season. Um, I think if they could look at, if they can come out of the, the end of this season, top six, I think that's a pretty successful season for them. Yeah, I do really worry about that Napoli game with that fast passing attack and Nice's a little bit lumbering defending and an awkward goalkeeper who's made a number of mistakes already. Ooh, I'm, not, I'm not really looking forward to Wednesday. Um, Rich, what was your what's your snapshot then? Um, I have gone for the um, not the Marseille game. Um, Ranieri has has really um, had quite a quite has quite a, a time in his, his his return to Liga. Obviously, the, the big game last weekend was uh, him v Bielsa, uh, where he came out, not side, came out very much second best there. First home game, and within 25 minutes, he's had to make all three substitutions due to injuries. So, perhaps not, not the start that he would quite, quite like. Um, the only thing that saved it being a far worse scoreline than a 1-0 Marseille win was the form of, of their goalkeeper, uh, pronunciation-wise here, I may butcher this, but Tatarusanu, 
um, who made a number of really, really good saves. He was he was literally the only thing that prevented it being three, four, five nil. Um, main thing that I wanted to touch on was 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 Marseille. You know, with all the the signings that they've made and and are looking to make for the second week in a row, it was a slightly unheralded player that turned out to be the hero. It was Clinton and G last week. Don't think many saw that coming. I think perhaps even fewer saw Lucas Acampos being introduced um, just after the hour mark and, and ultimately proving the match winner with a, a goal right, uh, right at the end. So for all the players that, that, as I say, that are coming into Marseille, it's quite good that they've got this depth of players that we've we've forgotten about. I, I'd written off Acampos. I thought he'd be out of there. You know, he's really failed, I think, to hit the the levels that we initially had hoped for him. Um, maybe you could say the same with G. So a little bit of rebirth, I suppose, going on at Marseille that's uh, nice to see. Yeah, and Rudy Garcia, the second manager in, in a row to give Claudio Ranieri a, a beautiful welcome again. I think French managers are falling in love with the Italian, it seems, on a weekly basis. But time for mine, which is the uh, fun, entertaining one that probably everyone wanted this week. I'll steal everyone's thunder. And uh, just to picture the scene, um, I was at work on the Sunday, looking at me having the Sunday shift, coming back. Um, oh, there's about half an hour of the uh, Lille Strasbourg game. I'll, I'll stick that on. Um, what a great decision that was because we went full Bielsa and it was absolutely El Loco. Um, first of all, as we mentioned in the news, uh, Mike Magnon got sent off for an absurd moment where the ball was kicked out. It's a little bit of a tussle handbags with the player and he throws the ball at his head right in front of the referee and gets a red card. So uh, th- with their three subs made earlier on, two from injury, one from a weird decision to take someone off it seemed like in the, in the first half Nicola de Preville the, the hero of the hour <laughs> goes in goal um, the hardest working player in league in French football as I always say the, the one that you can always rely on even though he missed that open net um, he goes in goal and he saves a one-on-one it was absolutely mental eventually he lets in a goal from the corner it's not really his fault I don't think he Maybe a more experienced goalkeeper does better there, but it, he's like five foot nothing. It's a little bit unfortunate for him. Why he's in goal in the first place, we don't know. But that changes anyway because Amadou decides he wants to go in goal, almost like Sunday football or a, or a five aside where you, you change goalkeepers after every goal. It seemed like it for a moment. He went in goal so they could try and grab a goal back through Depreville. Uh, and then they got Strasbourg got the penalty, and I thought for a moment, please. Please let Amadou save this goal with this penalty. This will be the mentalist match you will ever see. Unfortunately, he just just misses it. And then there's an excellent goal to finish it off from from a real talisman at, at, at Strasbourg. His name escapes me at the moment, but he, he's been Grim. there. Yes, he's, he's been there for a perfect name for it, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's all wonderful poetry. It was one of the most incredible games you may ever see. Um, that followed by a Man United 4-0 win really capped off my Sunday. It was really lovely. Um, and then a Neymar debut. By me, I, I might have been in cloud line, you might imagine, on Sunday night, um, which is no surprise. And it all started off with that. Uh, something you may never see again in, in that Lille game. If you can find highlights, if you can find something on them, I implore you to take a view at it because it is one of those moments in football that is just... How can you hate football? After you might see a moment like that. There's, even if you're a Leo fan, you just shake your head and giggle at it. It's, it was absolutely wonderful insanity. It, um, it, for, for me, for, for me it, just, it, it very much felt like if 
Marcelo Bielsa was going to be 90 minutes of football. <laughs> I tell a lie, if Marcelo Bielsa was going to be half an hour of football, this was the game that, that he was going to be. This was, this was Marcelo Bielsa in a football match. I'm still uh, I'm still a little bit gutted. If Amadou saves the penalty, if the goalkeeper that came on for the goalkeeper that came on for the goalkeeper saves uh, saves a penalty, it would have been the perfect game. I think like, we could all packed up and gone home and and never watch football again. I think after that moment, we'd we'd have completed football. That would have been that would have been everything I think we ever needed to see. <laughs> we'll, we'll finish tonight with uh, some readers' questions. Um, thanks to everyone who submitted them. We've mentioned a few already. But we'll start with this one from uh, Simon Quire, and apologies if I've butchered your surname there, sir, but we'll take your question first, which is, I'll t- send it to you, Sam, first. Which manager will be sacked first in Liga this season? Oh, that's a tricky one. Uh, I think I'm going to go for a very unpopular answer and say Claudio Ranieri. Um, he's been sacked a lot in his career. His, little, his Leicester miracle... Uh, overshadows some of his less successful jobs. This is the man who led Greece to a defeat to the Faroe Islands. This is a guy who's had trouble in the past. He's had a lot of bad luck to start this season already. I mean, how can you legislate the three injuries inside 24 minutes? But I think that's one that is going to be an unpopular one, but that's my uh, my outlier, my guess. That's what I think is what's going to happen. Rich, who do you think is the first manager sacked? Uh, oh, I can't. I can't pick. There's two. There's two. Um, Christian Gorkouf, a lot of money. If he doesn't live up to and get the, the performances out of that team with the money that was spent this summer, could be in big trouble. Or maybe Patrice Garn, but Khan mm. didn't really perform very well last season. Only just avoided relegation. I haven't won yet. I haven't got a point yet after two games. Maybe. Uh, I'm going to go for a relatively new, not new manager to league on, but he's, he only started this summer as well. And that's uh, Michel Desicarian. He's he's in a tough job, isn't he? I mean, Montpellier, uh, unfortunately, as we mentioned last week, they lost Louis Nicolan, who's so influential in the summer. That breeds a little bit of sentiment, but not for long. He plays a negative style of football that really got him the job sacked at Nantes. And he's lost Mounier in the summer. He's lost Boudibou's now to Real Batiste, which I wrote a piece that Batiste fans loved from the looks of things. Um, <laughs> but they play a negative football. They really struggled against Toulouse. It could have been three or four, really, to the, to the home side. And I just fear they don't have enough quality. And if they're flirting with relegation again, Come November, they're probably going to get rid of him. I think they, that seems to be the Montpellier way, to be fair, is have a manager struggle, get rid of him, and hope someone can give you a bit of a boost. Um, another one here from France Barrett, it's a little bit of a cheeky one, I think. Uh, I'll start with you again, Sam. Um, how many goals will PSG score against Toulouse at the Parc de Prince on Sunday? Well, that's uh, interesting. They struggled against Toulouse a little bit last season. It's different, mm-hmm. different world now, obviously. Um, Oh, I'm going to say four. Nothing too ambitious. I'll go with four. Yeah. Rich, I mean, Toulouse kept a clean sheet at the Parc de Prince last season, didn't they? They're pretty good defensively. I think they're, well, not, not pretty good. They're, they're very good defensively, actually, Toulouse. So a lot will perhaps depend on whether Issa Diop's back. That partnership that he has with uh, Christophe Julien is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a real standout partnership. Um I don't know. I think 
why 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 not why not say something let's let's give Toulouse a bit of credit here let's say three I'm gonna go with one let's see if let's see if my prediction comes true Toulouse are gonna set up to do exactly the same as they did last year which is part of the bus and if they do have DR pack I think it might even be zero but they might even nick that but I'm gonna give them a little bit of credit they've got a great young keeper they've got a solid defense they were the best defence last season outside the top three. Yeah, 1-0. That's not too bad, I don't think. Um, final question, really. Um, well, final two questions, at least. Uh, for the, who's going to be... Well, who has been the surprise player for you for these first two weeks of the season? I'll start with you, Sam. Oh, it's a difficult one. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of options. Uh, Mariano Diaz, I think the fact that he's hit the ground running so quickly, uh, I kind of thought that perhaps... If any of Leon's new signing centre forwards were going to do it, it would be the other one. It would be Traore. He looked the more impressive last season for Ajax, playing at a higher level perhaps than Diaz most most weeks. But Diaz has looked the goods, and he's led Leon to the top of the league. And you really can't ask more than that. Um, Rich, who do you think? Uh, I I can't disagree. I can't disagree. There's there's been you know obviously a, a plethora of new players who've come into the league, but. In terms of one who surprised me, I think helped by the fact I knew very little about him. But yeah, it's uh, it's Mariano Diaz. Yeah, and, and I'm going to go for maybe a slightly left field one, and that's Yunus Sankari, who's been excellent before. But he scored two goals in the Europa League during the qualifiers, even though Bordeaux went out, and he scored two goals already in Liga from two shots. Uh, I think that's pretty productive for a midfielder. That's a nice start to the season. Great start for him. Um, final question. Thank you, T. Keeling, for that one. And our final question is from uh, Arian H1999. Uh, who do you reckon will have a breakout season this season? I'll start with you on this one, Rich. <laughs> who will? Who will? Um, slight biasness, I suppose. Um, I'm quite excited to see how Adama Diakabi does at Monaco. Um, I think it was a. a I I I I didn't I didn't expect him to get too many starts, but you know, started against um started against Dijon. I thought his partnership with Falcao looked pretty good. He's still very raw, very, very raw, but really excited to see how he pans out. I think he could be could be a player to watch out for this season. Sam, what do you think? Uh is it unfair to say Francois Camano? He's he's played a few seasons already in Ligue 1, but I think maybe this is going to be his his transition year into really being uh, a name that people people know. He's going to become a bit more of a, a YouTube star. I think people are going to start really taking note of what he can do for Bordeaux. I'm going to go for a, a defender because I like my defending a little bit. And I, I like Ronel, um Pierre-Gabriel of, of Saint-Étienne, the right-back. I think that he's got a, had a really nice start to the season and I, I think he'd be, well, it could be a really breakout season for him. Uh, only 18 years of age. He's given more of the freedom to start. He started the last two games. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he progresses at um, Leiver. Um, oh, that's all for us this evening. My thanks to Rich and Sam and for all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show on Thursday and the main show will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.